0: Our flight path that day took us away from the fertile green Nairobi hills, described so ideologically in the novel Out of Africa, across the parched brown terrain of northeast Kenya, and then over the forbidding mountains and desolate desert of southern Ethiopia. We finally dropped out of the sky and descended into hell by way of a bombed-out, single-landing strip airport on the dusty outskirts of a city called Hargesa, This was the regional capital of an area known in colonial days as British Somaliland. Just a few years earlier, the region had declared its independence and attempted to secede from the Somali Democratic Republic. That had prompted the embattled Somali president to order his air force to bomb the second-largest city of his own country into submission. Within minutes of my arrival there, I was aware that I had never been, or even imagined, any place that felt as oppressed as this. Rough patches on the recently repaired runway covered only the biggest cracks and craters. Every man I saw working or walking around the airport carried an automatic weapon. Next to a nearby storage shed, I saw women and children poking wearily through piles of refuse in search of food. Inside the shed, which was covered by a bomb damaged roof and enclosed only on three sides, two Somali guards napped atop stacked cases of hand grenades, AK 47s, rocket grenades, land mines, and assorted other ordnance and ammunition. That one cache of weaponry, probably 60 feet wide, 15 feet deep, and piled 10 feet high, looked to my untrained eyes to hold enough firepower to overthrow a good sized developing country and perhaps it would one day do just that. Once arrangements were made for a private car to taxi me into Hargeisa, I thanked the Red Cross crew for the lift. The pilot reminded me that it might be anywhere from a week to a month before he returned. He said that he would try to get word to the airport before he did. I couldn't begin to comprehend the devastation that I encountered traveling from the airport into the city that day what should have been a quick five-kilometer jaunt turned into a long and disturbing drive through utter destruction. If I had ever needed a visual image to illustrate the term war-torn, that picture popped up everywhere I looked. The few individuals I spotted on the street seemed to be wandering, more than walking. They were people who seemed to be going through the motions of life with little hope, uncertain purpose, and no real destination. My driver told me that 70,000 people still called this tortured city home. I also learned that, in all of Hargeisa, only seven houses still had intact roofs. The worst of the fighting in the Somaliland region of the country had ended many months earlier. Once the bombing runs had halted, a relentless follow-up of mortar and rocket grenade assault on the city began. With that punishment inflicted, the loyal government troops had turned their attention southward again to continue their battle with the rebel clan's militias for control of Mogadishu and the rest of the country. The southern clan's insurrection eventually succeeded, and the longtime dictator fled into exile. Soon the rebel coalition fell apart, and former allies turned their violence against each other to determine which factions might be strong enough to seize ultimate control and govern the country. The worst of the warfare may have moved elsewhere but the death and destruction wrought for years on Hargesa remained. As my driver carefully picked his way, detouring around rubble from collapsed buildings and dodging bomb craters in the road, I was told that the local people were still finding as many as fifty landmines a day. Many of the explosives were discovered only when stepped on and triggered accidentally by animals or playing children. This was Somaliland in early 1992 a land tormented by deadly and unprecedented drought. Even worse, this horrific natural disaster had come hard on the heels of a brutal civil war as violent and inhumane as any conflict in human history. Yet, tragically, there would still be many more months and countless more deaths before the crippled country's full measure of misery would finally register on the radar screen of the world's awareness and shock the international community into responding.